Rumors are now flying that the brand new NBA champion Golden State Warriors will unanimously refuse to go to the White House to celebrate their title. Several major sites have reported such rumors. Many members of the Warriors have criticized Trump personally before. Athletes have skipped White House celebrations before, too. Earlier this year, many members of the New England Patriots decided to forego the trip to the White House to protest Trump. In 2011, Boston Bruins goalie Tim Thomas refused to visit the White House to meet with President Obama, with Thomas explaining, quote, I believe the federal government has grown out of control, threatening the rights, liberties, and properties of the people. Back in 2011, of course, the leftist media was the one ripping an athlete getting involved in politics. As Heat Street reported, Joe McDonald of ESPN wrote that Tim Thomas put himself above the team. James Hardy from Bleacher Report said, if Thomas was a real man, he would have gone to the Boston Bruins management and ownership, returned the money from his contract, and quit the balance of it by retiring so he could exercise his rights as a free citizen. And at Sports Illustrated, Stu Hackle wrote, quote, Tim Thomas decided to exploit a non-political event to expose his personal political views. The temptation on the right to condemn the Patriots for standing against Trump was strong as well. Here is the truth, though. All of these people have the absolute right not to stand next to a president they don't like. And actually, I think we should kill the tradition of winning teams visiting the White House altogether. The presidency is not a ceremonial position. It is an executive one. You wouldn't expect the local high school regional champs to visit the head of the local water board for a photo op. Why should politicians treat athletes like subjects who must visit the White House at the whim of a monarch? None of this actually used to be a big deal. According to ESPN, the first sports team to visit the White House were the Brooklyn Atlantics and the Washington Nationals back in 1865. The first World Series team champions to visit the White House were the Washington Senators in 1924. But both of those visits were by local teams. The first NBA champions to visit the White House were the Boston Celtics in 63 with JFK. The first NCAA champions to show up came in 1976. But... ESPN reports, quote, it was Ronald Reagan who made the practice of honoring championship teams at the White House a regular occurrence. Whoever invented the practice, it should die a quick and painless death. There is nothing dumber than athletes coming to pay homage to a president who doesn't even watch their sports. See, for example, the WNBA champions who show up every year to meet with some dude who's never seen a WNBA game. And there's something oligarchic about the national expectation that sports champions must receive the blessing of the president of the United States. Separating the president from the sporting scene would also prevent the infusion of politics into sports. If we don't want athletes getting political, there's one easy way to avoid that eventuality. Prevent politicians from trying to co-opt athletic popularity in the first place. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Okay, we're going to get to everything Sessions related. We're going to get to everything Bob Mueller related. We're going to get to a bizarre press conference yesterday at the White House with Trump's cabinet. And we're also going to get to this big hubbub over Alex Jones and Megyn Kelly. But before we get to any of that, I want to say thank you to our friends over at Birch Gold. So right now it is worth noting that gold has been up the last five months in a row. There are some doubts about the stock market, about whether we're in the stock market bubble, a real estate bubble. Whatever you think, there is no doubt that you should have some of your assets in gold, in precious metals. And that's why I work with my friends over at Birch Gold Group. They have a longstanding track record of continued success with thousands of satisfied clients, countless five-star reviews, and A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. Right now, when you call them, you can get a comprehensive 16-page kit which shows how gold and silver can protect your savings and how you can move your IRA or 401k out of stocks and into a precious metals IRA if that's something that you want to do. To get that no-cost, no-obligation kit, go to birchgold.com slash Ben. That is birchgold.com slash Ben. Make sure you ask all your questions, and then when you decide how much you want to invest in precious metals, and as I say, I have some money in precious metals, then you call my friends over at Birch Gold Group, birchgold.com slash Ben. Use the slash Ben so they know that we sent you Again, it's just the safe financial play. Okay, so 
Lots going on in the news, as always. We begin today with the attempt by the left to get Donald Trump. And that this has now become over the top. It's been over the top for months, obviously. The whole Trump-Russia collusion scandal was, a, was an attempt by Democrats to shift blame from Hillary Clinton to Donald Trump and Russia for her loss. Now they are searching for an alternative strategy. Well, that means that today, in just a couple of hours here, Attorney General Jeff Sessions is supposed to testify on the Hill before the Senate Intelligence Committee. Now, why he's testifying is sort of beyond me. I'm not sure why exactly Sessions is expected to testify, what he's supposed to reveal. Anybody who thinks, I mean, I've met Senator Sessions several times. I've spoken with him at length. Anybody who thinks that Jeff Sessions, the senator from Alabama, is in cahoots with the Russians to somehow affect the election cycle or is attempting to cover up such collusion. Again, I don't think they've ever met Jeff Sessions, seen Jeff Sessions, heard Jeff Sessions. It doesn't make any sense at all. But here are some of the questions that they're going to be asking Senator Sessions. He did something, former Senator Sessions, he did something smart yesterday. He said that he wanted to have the, the hearing out in the open. He didn't want to do it behind closed doors. I said yesterday, I think that's smart. The reason I think that's smart is because it means that we get a firsthand look at what he's saying. We don't have to hear the leaked information from behind closed doors from Democrats who spin that information in the worst possible way. Here are the four questions that Democrats will certainly ask Attorney General Sessions today. First, they're going to ask him if he lied about meeting with the Russians. So if you recall, one of the reasons that Sessions recused himself in the first place from the Trump-Russia investigation were there was, a, there was an accusation that he testified in front of Congress that he'd never met with the Russian government officials, that he, he was not involved in any sort of collusion. And then it came out that he had had a couple of meetings with Russian Ambassador Sergei Kislyak, who's widely seen as an FSB, which is the KGB, an FSB uh, operative. In any case, that was overblown in the first place. The first meeting that Sessions supposedly had with Kislyak was at a Heritage Foundation event where there were something like 50 other ambassadors present. That's according to the Washington Post. The second meeting that Sessions had with Kislyak was at the Senate offices, and Kislyak meets routinely with members of the Senate, like, all the time. So, you know, Sessions has a pretty easy rebuttal there. Second question that Sessions will be asked today is why FBI Director, former FBI Director James Comey, would suggest that there were reasons for, for Sessions to recuse himself beyond the meetings with Kislyak. So if you recall all the way back to last week, I know, time has slowed. There's so much news. Last week, former FBI director testified in front of Congress. He said, quote, Our judgment, as I recall, was that Sessions was very close to and inevitably going to recuse himself for a variety of reasons. We were also aware of facts that I can't discuss in an open setting that would make his continued engagement in a Russia-related investigation problematic. Now, pretty vague, right? That's, that's pretty sneaky of Comey to drop that in there and then hide the ball behind the classified information wall. What are the reasons Sessions will be asked? And Sessions has an easy answer here, too. He can say, I have no idea what Comey was talking about. Like, I don't know what Comey was talking about. Do you know what Comey was talking about? Nobody knows what Comey was talking about. He was just saying stuff. Okay, third question that Sessions will be asked is, will you stand up to Trump? So as we're going to talk about in a few minutes here, there's a rumor flying around Capitol Hill put out there by Newsmax CEO Chris Ruddy, who's friends with Trump, very close friends with Trump, actually. Ruddy said that Trump was thinking about firing the special counsel, Robert Mueller. So this has created all sorts of chaos inside the Trump administration. Attorney, Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein had to come out earlier this morning and say that there was no intent to fire Bob Mueller and that he would not participate in the firing of Bob Mueller. Sessions will be asked the same question. Again, I think it is worthwhile here to note that Sessions is basically being asked what level of independence he has from Trump. Barack Obama's attorney general, Eric Holder, called himself Barack Obama's wingman. And no one cared. 
No one cared. There was always just an assumption that the attorney general under Barack Obama was dirty. Obama used executive privilege in order to protect Eric Holder in the Fast and Furious investigation. Uh, Eric Holder used his methodologies to try and protect Barack Obama multiple times. So again, I think that Sessions is being held to a standard that Democrats certainly are not being held to. Should Sessions have some semblance of independence? Absolutely. But again, I think that they're asking something of Sessions that is a little bit over the top. And finally, they are going to ask Sessions why he recommended that Comey be fired after he recused himself from Trump-Russia. The implication, of course, being that Sessions was involved in something nefarious. Then he recused himself, and then Comey was getting too close. So Sessions recommended that Trump fire him. There is an alternative explanation that makes a lot more sense here. That is, there was no Trump-Russia collusion. Sessions recused himself because he didn't want to be the center of the Trump-Russia stuff, and he thought that it would muddy the waters. And then finally, Trump went to him and said, hey, do you think that we should fire this Comey guy? And Sessions said, yeah, I think he's incompetent. That would be the most obvious answer. But watch, the media will make hay out of the out of the hearings today. They'll make a very big deal out of the hearings today, no matter how dumb uh, that is. And you, you can see how over the top the, the left is in their attempts to get Trump. Elizabeth Warren, uh, who was fresh from some sort of rain dance, actually, she, she came in out of the out of the cold. She, she exited her wigwam and the senator from Native American Landia, uh, she came out and she said that Sessions should just be fired. He should outright be fired. For what? She couldn't really explain, but fire him. Sessions, look, I pose Sessions for being Attorney General of the United States, um, and you may yeah, remember you got shut down for uh, trying. <laughs> I got, I got, I got sent away from the Senate for that, and uh, got shut down and not allowed to speak again until after the vote. That was the rule. I could not speak again until the Senate had had a chance to vote on Jeff Sessions, and then when it came out that Jeff Sessions had lied to Congress, had lied to the Senate during his confirmation hearing, I called again for, he needs to be fired. He needs to be taken out of that job. If you're not going to be honest during your confirmation hearing, then you ought to be gone. Okay, again, this is just ridiculous. The, the, the quote-unquote lie is that Sessions didn't remember that he had once shook the hand of Russian Ambassador Kislyak and that he had one meeting with him one time. And again, there are pictures all over the internet of various Democratic senators meeting with Sessions, but you can see that Democrats are running in 2018 on how much they hate Trump. I keep saying this, Republicans need to get with the program. It's not enough for us to just say that that's what's happening here, because clearly that's what's happening here. Trump has to do a good job now. Trump has to not make mistakes. In a little while, I'm going to get to Trump's response to all of this, but I just want to show you the extent to which Democrats have lost their minds on the impeach Trump stuff. Maxine Waters is legitimately one of the dirtiest figures in Congress. During the financial meltdown, she was attempting to get bailouts for her husband's bank, uh, allegedly, Maxine Waters, the congresswoman from, from my neck of the woods out here in California, who called the L.A. riots an L.A. uprising and stood in fa- and, and said it was not, uh, that violence was called for. This same person is out there shouting impeach Trump. They're pleased because they don't know what to make of this man in Washington, D.C., who calls himself president of the United States. He's not my president. Okay, fact checker, quick fact check for for Auntie. I I love how the left has termed her Auntie Maxine. She's only your aunt in the sense that there's this crazy old loon aunt who shows up at your barbecues, and you don't really know who she is because she's not related to anybody, but she just seems hungry, so you feed her. 
anti-Maxine, you know, yes, it turns out that Trump is your president. He is everybody's president because he was duly elected in an election in the United States. That's how things work out here. And Bernie Sanders is out there doing this routine, too. Uh, here is the, the senator from Loonland uh, out there talking about how Trump is the most dangerous president we have ever seen. He is the most dangerous. He is so dangerous, I am very much afraid. He will take my pudding cup, and then I will not know what to eat, and I will be forced to drink cans of insure, which are just not as tasty as my pudding. Bernie Sanders, go. Today, today in the White House, we have perhaps the worst and most dangerous president in the history of our country. And we also have, not to be forgotten, extreme right-wing leadership in the U.S. House and the U.S. Senate. I love how the Democrats can't decide whether Trump is incompetent or super dangerous. It's, it's kind of hilarious to watch them bounce around between the two. Finally, the, the D.C. and Maryland uh, attorneys general held a press conference yesterday in which they announced they were filing a lawsuit against President Trump. They're trying to suggest that he has violated the emoluments clause of the United States Constitution. The emoluments clause of the U.S. Constitution bans public figures in the United States, elected officials, from taking bribes, basically, from foreign governments. And they're trying to suggest that that is what Trump is doing with the Trump hotels, that there's a bunch of foreigners who are renting rooms in an attempt to get in good with Trump. Uh, here are these attorneys general wasting the time of their citizens, time and money of their citizens. Earlier this morning, the state of Maryland and the District of Columbia filed a lawsuit in federal court against the President of the United States. The suit alleges that President Trump is flagrantly violating the Constitution, which explicitly bars presidents from receiving gifts or inducements from foreign or domestic government entities. Never in the history of this country have we had a president with these kinds of extensive business entanglements. Okay, look, I am not a fan of how President Trump has handled his business. I don't think that, I think he should have divested himself. I always thought that his, his ethics rules were, were not stringent enough. But the idea that they're going to be able to sue, number one, they don't have standing. They, you have to have something called legal standing. They can't show they were damaged. What they're trying to say is that they were damaged because one of the Trump hotels is in Washington, D.C. or some such nonsense. No. Second of all, the emoluments clause does not really talk about what happens if the president has an ongoing business and that ongoing business does business with somebody else when the president isn't running it. Right now, Trump isn't actually running his business. His kids are running the business, and it's not clear what constitutes a gift. Again, there were services rendered by the Trump Hotel, and people from abroad are allowed to pay for those services. Not clear that this amounts to a gift. Again, the Emoluments Clause has always been pretty vaguely defined, particularly since presidents end up receiving all sorts of presents from foreign governments. You remember when the Clintons left the White House, they took a crapload of presents from foreign governments in order to, in order to enrich themselves, and that was not considered a violation of the Emoluments Clause. But this just goes to show you the Democrats are just searching out there. This is not really to get rid of Trump. This is all about driving out the base and, and increasing the perception that Trump is corrupt. And we're going to talk about how Trump has been responding to that in just a second. But first, I want to say thank you to our friends over at My Patriot Supply. So right now, North Korea is as militant as it has ever been. There's a new study showing that the Russians are attempting to, they, they attempted to hack voting machines. Uh, we know that natural disasters are on the way. We're hitting hurricane season. Whatever you are concerned about, and one of the things you should be concerned about is the possibility of some sort of disaster that renders the government unable to give you aid for a certain period of time. You need to go and get an emergency food supply over at My Patriot Supply. 
All you have to do is go to preparewithben.com. That is preparewithben.com, 888-803-1413. You get a four-week emergency food supply for just $99. Takes care of you and your family for four weeks. Emergency food supply, 99 bucks. Order now. It's something out here in California. The government actually recommends that you have emergency food on hand. Nobody does it, but you can be the person who's prepared with My Patriot Supply. Preparewithben.com. All of this food lasts for years and years and years. And apparently, according to folks in the office, it tastes like home cooking. So only 99 bucks plus free shipping. You stuff it in a closet. You don't have to worry about it until disaster hits. And then you're the person who protected their family. 888-803-1413. 888-803-1413. Or preparewithben.com. Preparewithben.com. Okay, so all of this said, if it's obvious that the agenda of the Democrats is to take down Trump, it would behoove President Trump to behave in the most morally rectitudinous fashion he can possibly find, right? That he should behave, he should be as clean as the driven snow. He should say, come in, check me out. Everything's great. You know, welcome the health inspectors. Everything is fine. And he certainly should not continue to boost this, this kind of widespread notion that he sees himself as a potentate. Which is why it was not great yesterday when he had a meeting with his cabinet and a bunch of cameras showed up. And his cabinet members know, unfortunately, that President Trump's personality foibles mean that the best way to get through to President Trump, the best way to stand his good side is flattery. And so this just kind of humiliating exchange happened. Reince Priebus, his chief of staff, says this at the meeting in front of all the cameras. Senior staff around you, Mr. President, we thank you for the opportunity and the blessing that you've given us to serve your agenda and the American people, and we're continuing to work very hard every day to accomplish those goals. The opportunity and the blessing. And the Lord responded with favor to Ryan's Ben Richard. I mean, really? Come on, come on, come on. You work for him. Like, we all get that. But the entire table goes around and thanks Trump for the opportunity to serve you and serve the agenda. Wilbur Ross has said something similar. Again, this sort of stuff just does not look good on a president. I don't care who the president is. If it were a Democrat, can you imagine the mockery from the right? Barack Obama had forced all of the members of his cabinet to go around and praise him personally for appointing them. Can you imagine how the mockery would never end and rightly so. I mean, it's sad when Chuck Schumer successfully trolls the president of the United States. Chuck Schumer is just awful, but here's the Senate minority leader successfully trolling Trump yesterday. I want to thank everybody for coming. I just thought we'd go around the room. Lucy, how'd we do on the Sunday show yesterday? Your tone was perfect. You were right on message. Michelle, how'd my hair look coming out of the gym this morning? You have great hair. Nobody has better hair than you. Before we go any further, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity and blessing to serve your agenda. Okay, I have to admit, I laughed. The the whole thing is kind of ridiculous. Now, is it damning of Trump? Is it the end of the world? No, and we're not going to blow this out of proportion, but I just want to point out that, that when it comes to Trump, most of the problems he's had are problems of his own making, and they spring from his personality, which is volatile and egocentric, and that is not a good combo when you're president of the United States. He's going to need to to get himself under control a little bit. We're going to talk about that in just a second. Plus, I want to talk about what's happening with Megyn Kelly and Alex Jones. I want to talk about all of the all of the hubbub surrounding Katy Perry. Uh, we're going to deconstruct the culture a little bit today because it's a Tuesday. So lots more coming up, but you're going to have to go over to dailywire.com right now and subscribe for that. $8 a month gets you a subscription to dailywire.com. Plus, you get to be part of the mailbag. As I say, if you want to be part of the mailbag this week, I think my dad is going to come in studio and we're going to talk about our brand new book on the White Sox. So if you have any questions for my father, you know, questions that you wouldn't want me to answer about my dad, but my dad can answer about me, then go over to dailywire.com right now and subscribe. $8 a month 
gets you a subscription. Plus, if you're an annual subscriber, you actually get a copy of that very book. You get a copy of this very book right here, Say It So. It's about me and my dad and my grandpa, uh, Papa, uh, all White Sox fans, and, uh, and the 2005 White Sox championship season. A great Father's Day gift. You get a free signed copy right now when you become an annual subscriber over at dailywire.com. So go on over and check it out. Or if you just want to listen later at iTunes or SoundCloud, go on over, subscribe, leave a review. We always appreciate it. We are the largest conservative podcast in the nation. Okay, so the reason that I brought up the Reince Priebus thing is because I think that we have to understand Trump's personality to understand the problems that he's been having beating back these scandals. There are good, there's a good case for Trump in each one of these scenarios. There's a good, solid case for Trump with regard to the firing of James Comey, for example. John Yu, who's a constitutional scholar, worked under President Bush, very well respected. I believe he's up at Berkeley now. Uh, and uh, Professor Yu, he comes out and he says, listen, Comey had to go. He did not do what he was supposed to do. I think uh, Comey was acting more and more outside the control of the people we elect to office to run our government. And so I think, especially after his mistaken decisions, I think three times in the Clinton email investigation, uh, it was already time for Comey to go in January. Okay. And I think that John Yu is exactly right. I said this in January. I said it back in June. I said it in October. I said it in July. I mean, I said it in, uh, in May when Trump actually fired him, actually a week before Trump fired him. Comey always should have gone. These are all defensible positions from the president of the United States. But unfortunately, because President Trump is very, very ego-driven, you know, just as ego-driven, more ego-driven than any politician I've ever seen, because of that, he tends to make mistakes. So as an example, we talked yesterday about President Trump saying that he would testify under oath to try and rebut the testimony of James Comey, the FBI director, a totally unnecessary, a totally unnecessary move. Here was Sean Spicer trying to walk that back and saying instead, no, Trump would be willing to talk with Bob Mueller, the special counsel. I think he was actually specifically asked um, whether or not he would talk to uh, Director Mueller, and he made it very clear what his position was. So he would, John. So sorry, sorry, I just wanted to be yeah. very clear about this. So he's not saying that he would go before Congress? I, I don't know. I've not had a further discussion with that. I know what, exactly what he said on Friday in the Rose Garden is exactly what, uh, what he believes. Okay, so that's not exactly true. He was asked whether he would go under oath. He said yes. The follow-up was about Mueller. In any case, that's just the beginning because it turns out that there's now a full assault on Mueller. So it's not enough for, the, for them to just go direct up against Comey and try and pit Trump's credibility against Comey's credibility, which, again, is a useless ego play that is not smart. Now they're going to try and go up against Bob Mueller, the special counsel. Now, Bob Mueller is well-respected. He served under several administrations, Democrat and Republican. He's the longest-tenured director of the FBI since, I believe, J. Edgar Hoover. Uh, so he has been around for quite a long time, has a very good reputation. But now they're attempting to say that Mueller is not capable of carrying out this investigation. Now, remember, Mueller was picked by Rod Rosenstein, who is the deputy attorney general. The president of the United States, I'm sure, knew that Mueller was coming. Uh, he has the capacity to fire Mueller and replace him. Uh, he has not done that. Um, but Mueller, I remember Newt Gingrich a week ago, two weeks ago, was saying Bob Mueller was a good pick for special counsel. A lot of people on the right were saying the special counsel investigation is very good for Trump because it allows him to just kick all these questions down the road. Instead of having to answer every question, you just say, look, Bob Mueller is well-respected. He's looking at all this stuff and we will get back to you. Right? I mean, that would have been the smart play. Instead, now they're attempting to go after Bob Mueller. Now, if you wanted to look innocent, and as I say, it's important that Trump look innocent, not just be innocent, look innocent. Because remember, 
Democrats are banking on him looking guilty, not being guilty, looking guilty, so that they can wipe out Republicans in 2018. And right now, it looks like a pretty good shot that they will. President Trump's best move here would be to say, okay, let Bob Mueller do his job. But now you've got the entire right going out there and saying that Bob Mueller is basically a patsy for Obama or for the left. And one of the stories they are using to do this is they are talking about how he just hired a bunch of attorneys for his legal team who have given a bunch of money to Democrats. According to the FEC, the Federal Election Commission, apparently they're saying that three of the members of the legal team known to have been hired so far by Mueller have given money almost exclusively to Democrats. This is being reported by CNN. More than half of the more than $56,000 came from just one lawyer. More than half of it was donated before the 2016 election, but two of the lawyers gave the maximum $2,700 to Hillary Clinton last year. Three of the five lawyers who were appointed have donations in FEC records. Two of them do not. These attorneys are very seasoned. So the implication is that they gave money to Hillary Clinton's campaign. Therefore, they can't be trusted to investigate Trump, Russia, or Trump obstruction of justice kind of stuff. Now, it's very possible that's true. It's very possible that's true. And I think that Mueller has a responsibility to staff up with people who are bipartisan. I think it is also worthwhile noting that the vast majority of big law are Democrats. Okay, let's just be real about this. I worked at a law firm. It's called Goodwin Proctor. I worked there for about a year uh, back when I graduated from law school. Every major law firm is dominated by Democrats. So if you're going to hire a top-notch lawyer, the chances are that the top-notch lawyer is probably going to be a Democrat. That's just the way it works, particularly if it's a Washington, D.C. lawyer with governmental knowledge. Again, should Mueller go out of his way to hire more people who are on the right? Yes, I think he should. Is this dispositive? Does it mean that he's clearly in the pocket of the Democrats? No, I think that's over the top. And suggesting that Mueller is dishonest is, uh, is too much. Uh, I just don't think that that's correct. But that's not stopping the attempts to kill the Mueller investigation. Now they're saying, uh, I saw this from Ann Coulter, she was saying, well, Comey said that he wanted the Mueller investigation. Mueller isn't really investigating anything except because Comey did it, so we should just kill the investigation altogether. Well, no. I mean, he should recuse himself. There are two separate sections of the special counsel investigation. One section deals with Trump-Russia. Mueller is fully capable of investigating that. One deals with Comey obstruction of justice now because of Trump. I think Mueller should recuse himself in that case. But the idea that the entire investigation should just be killed by Trump, should it die? Should it go away? Yes, but it should die on its own terms. It should die because Trump is innocent, not because Trump kills it. This is a mistake to, to be talking this way. And unfortunately, the rumor was given new life by Chris Ruddy, as I mentioned earlier, Newsmax CEO. He comes out and he says that Trump is thinking about firing Mueller outright. Considering um, perhaps terminating uh, the special counsel. I think he's, he's weighing that option. I think it's pretty clear by what one of his lawyers said on television recently. I personally think it would be a very significant mistake, even though I don't think there's a justification. And even though, I mean, here you have a situation... You don't think Robert, there's a justification for... For a special counsel in this case, but also... I mean, Robert Mueller, there's some real conflicts. He comes from a law firm that represents members of the Trump family. Uh, he interviewed the day before, a few days before he was appointed special counsel with the president, uh, who was looking at him potentially to become the next FBI director. That hasn't been published, but it's true. And I think it would be strange that he would have a confidential conversation, and then a few days later become the prosecutor of the person he may be investigating. Um, I think that Mueller should have not taken the position if he was under consideration and had a private meeting with the president and was privy maybe to some of his thoughts 
about that investigation or other matters before the Bureau. Okay, okay this makes no sense. I mean, what Ruddy is saying, I'm hoping that it's Ruddy floating a trial balloon specifically so that Trump will shoot it down. And it appears today the White House is backing off of this sort of stuff. Uh, the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein has already come out and said that there's no reason to fire Mueller at the current time. It's really not smart to do this. Okay, forget about right. Forget about right for a second. It's just not smart politics. Okay, Mueller is well-liked. If you're pitting Trump's credibility against Comey, that's already not a good start. If you're pitting it against Mueller's credibility, that's super not a good start. And Chuck Schumer knows this. Okay, when Chuck Schumer is happy and smiling, that means that Trump is doing something stupid. Here is Chuck Schumer basically happy and smiling because the right is attacking Bob Mueller. Seems a new strategy by some on the right is now to question the credibility of special counsel Mueller. Already, former Speaker Gingrich and others have, negative, have said negative things about Mueller just weeks after praising his selection. They know that Mr. Mueller is the man now responsible for following up on Mr. Comey's testimony. So the hard right is trying to discredit him in advance. They know they can't debate the facts or the issues or defend the actions of the White House on the merits. So what do they do? They attack the referee and try to de besmirch the reputation of someone like Mr. Mueller. Okay, again, the reason that Chuck Schumer is going hard on this is because he thinks he's got a bone and he's not going to let it go. Don't attack Mueller, guys. Okay, let him go, because if you attack him, now that he's been appointed, it's going to be very difficult, especially after everybody came out and said that he was honest as the day is long five minutes ago. It's just a mistake. And then finally, Trump really needs to let this tapes thing go. Sean Spicer was asked again for like the 1,000th time yesterday at the White House about are there tapes of you talking with Comey, and here was Sean Spicer's response. What is he waiting for? I, I think the president made it very clear on Friday that he would get back as soon as possible on this and his position on, on that conversation. Right, so what is he waiting for? What's the delay? He's waiting. He's not waiting for anything. When he's ready to further discuss it, he will. But I think he laid out his position very clearly, very concisely on Friday. This is so stupid. It's so counterproductive. Once you say there are tapes, the only portion of the obstruction of justice law that Trump is even mildly in danger of is the stuff that says you can't destroy any sort of record that impedes an investigation. If there are tapes, then he has he's going to end up turning them over. They're probably not going to be great for him. And if there are no tapes, now the Democrats are going to say, you lied, or where are the tapes? Did you destroy them? This is all not particularly smart, and it's all coming based on the same tendency from Trump that led to Reince Priebus paying due homage, Renfield-style, to him uh, in the Oval Office there. It's just uh, in, or in the meeting room, the executive meeting room. It's just not, if you want Trump to succeed, he needs to be good. Okay, I keep saying this, but it's not going to change. If you want Trump to succeed, he needs to be good at this job. And don't give me the 40 chess he won the election, therefore he's great at everything. Okay, I know a lot of people who are great at one thing and turned out not to be great at other things. Okay, it happens all the time. In fact, one of my favorite cases in, in, in fictional literature, if you ever watch Silicon Valley, there's a guy who's a billionaire because he created some stupid app and now he's just a complete idiot. This happens all the time. In Hollywood, it happens all the time. I know people who are like this. Okay, I'm not saying that Trump is a complete idiot. I am saying that Trump's strategy right here is not effective and it's not useful. So uh, it's not, it's not, you know, it's, it's just not a great thing. Okay, so uh, before I get to things I like and things I hate, uh, let's talk about my friends over at the USCCA. So right now, United States Concealed Carry Association. You live in a state like California where if you shoot somebody coming onto your property to rob your house, you may end up being prosecuted. Even if you live in Texas, you may end up being prosecuted for defending yourself. That's why you need the USCCA. Not only do they give you gun training, not only 
do they make clear how you're supposed to use your weapon, but they also provide you defense resources in case you have to use your weapon in self-defense. They help keep you safe from robberies, carjackings, riots. This is what the USCCA is for. They give you complete peace of mind in an unpredictable world. They educate you, they train you, they make sure you're legally and financially protected after you pull the trigger. And, by the way, they help get more guns in the hands of law-abiding Americans. In honor of 4th of July, they're doing the Great American Giveaway. Okay, the Great American Giveaway. It's pretty awesome. And they want my listeners to know about it. If you win, you get $1,776 for the guns and ammo of your choice. Like $1,776, you get $1,776 from the USCCA. If you just go over to defendmyfamily.com right now and register, you get five chances to win. They're picking five winners. We're all going to win $1,776 for guns and ammo of their choice. Defendmyfamily.com. I'm going to go over there and register just to try and win the lottery over there. (laughs) Defendmyfamily.com. Five big chances to win. Defendmyfamily.com for your free shot at $1,776 worth of guns and ammo. It's not going to last long. It expires because it's coming up on July 4th. 1776 worth of guns and ammo, defendmyfamily.com. That's defendmyfamily.com. Super cool program providing you great services. Plus, you get a shot at winning a bunch of money for guns and ammo. And what's better than that? Okay, time for some things I like and then some things that I hate. And then we'll get to deconstructing the culture. So, things that I like. Megan Kelly is being raked over the coals because she had the temerity to do an interview with Alex Jones. And this interview with Alex Jones... Uh, it's pretty clear that she's taking a very adversarial position with with Alex Jones, as well she should, okay? For people who don't know that much about Alex Jones, I've mocked him on the program before. Alex Jones is a wild conspiracy theorist. He suggested that the Sandy Hook massacre was a false flag, that the victims were actors. He said that 9-11 was an inside job, that the U.S. government was basically covering for the Saudis. He said the Boston Marathon bombing was, was a false flag. He said the Orlando nightclub jihadi attack was a false flag, too. He, re, he rants about how the government is pursuing animal-human hybrids and using chemicals in water to turn the frogs gay. They turn the frickin' frogs gay! He thinks the, the government controls the weather. He promoted Pizzagate. He had to walk that one back a little bit. He calls Bill Gates a eugenicist because Bill Gates, uh, or his mom, I think, once gave money to Planned Parenthood, but he calls him eugenicist and thinks not just that Planned Parenthood is eugenics and he is involved with Planned Parenthood, but that he's pursuing some sort of global attempt at eugenics across the world. The list goes on and on. Jones is actually so crazy that his own lawyer was forced to argue in a custody hearing that Jones was playing a role on radio and TV so that he could avoid the implication, which is that Jones is actually like that in real life, so he wouldn't lose custody of his kid. So why is Kelly interviewing this guy? Well, there are a lot of people saying Kelly should not interview Jones because you're just giving him credibility, you're just giving him air. Now, I think there are certain people where the media should ignore them because they're just giving them air. I've used as an example Richard Spencer. That's because Richard Spencer is irrelevant. No one would know who Richard Spencer is except for the mainstream media coverage of Richard Spencer, which is designed to make it look as though Richard Spencer is a conservative who is representative of all conservatives. It's ridiculous. It's foolish. But Alex Jones is not Richard Spencer, not just because of viewpoint, but because Alex Jones is actually a very, very prominent figure, so prominent, in fact, that President Trump is very tight with Alex Jones. Okay, we know that Trump has praised Jones repeatedly. After Trump was elected, Jones came out in a video and said Trump had called him personally. In February, Alex Jones said that he talks on the phone with Trump and that he was, quote, taking on a new role as occasional information source and validator for the president. Jones's website, InfoWars, super high traffic website, uh, they have some information that is true and they have some information that is not so true. Jones also claims that Trump and his kids watch Jones's show regularly. In April, Jones said he received a call from Trump and who asked Alex Jones if he was happy with Trump's job performance. Just a couple of weeks ago, the Trump administration distributed a link 
from InfoWars to their entire email list. So that doesn't, that's not saying about Trump or Jones per se, except that Jones is relevant. He is clearly relevant. And it is not wrong for Megyn Kelly to grill someone who is relevant because he is tight with the president of the United States and has a massive following. These are important things for the American public to know. In the video segment that was already released to the public, which we'll show you, right, it's right here. They call you the most paranoid man in America. Is that true? Absolutely not. A paranoid person will be hiding out in their house, not venturing out in public. I go out there on the street and battle Black Lives Matter, the communist point blank range. We talked controversies and conspiracies. 9-11. Now, 9-11 was an inside job. But when I say inside job, it means criminal elements in our, in our government working with Saudi Arabia and others wanted to frame Iraq for it. Just a fact. Sandy Hook. Well, Sandy Hook's complex because I've had debates where we've devil's advocates said the whole story's true. And then I've had debates where I've said uh, that none of it's true. When you say parents faked their children's death, people get very angry. Yeah, well, let's, oh, I know, but they don't get angry about the half million dead Iraqis from the sanctions, or they don't get angry about all the illegal stories. No, no, it's not a dodge. The media never covers all the evil wars it's promoted, all the that big things. That doesn't excuse what you did and said uh, about Newtown. Uh, uh, you uh, know it. I, here, here's the difference. I looked at all the angles of Newtown, and I made my statements long before the media even picked up on it. We didn't get any of the really important stuff. What do you mean? We talked about all the important stuff. Well, here's the big one they always make fun of me. You probably want to throw this in there. 30 years ago, they began creating animal-human hybrids. Isn't that the big story Megyn Kelly should the, be doing? In that video segment... Kelly actually takes Jones to task. She actually says, when you say parents fake their children's death, people get very angry. And then Jones says something nonsensical about Iraqi war dead. And then she says, that's misdirection. It's a dodge. That doesn't excuse what you did or said about Newtown. Okay, this is what news anchors are supposed to do. And Kelly used to do it all the time at Fox News. Have on people who were widely considered unpalatable, but were important so that she could grill them. Okay, I think that a lot of this is being driven on the right by people who are angry at Megyn Kelly because she wasn't pro-Trump enough and then left Fox News. And I think it's being driven on the left by people who think Megyn Kelly is too right-wing because she was on Fox News, and so she has to be destroyed. So I think that any of these people on the left would be ripping Megyn Kelly if her name were Lester Holt and she were interviewing Alex Jones? No, I don't. Do I think a lot of people on the right would be super upset with Megyn Kelly if she were on Fox News interviewing Alex Jones? No, I don't. And again, this just comes down to tribalism. I don't see anything wrong with her interviewing Alex Jones. In fact, I think it's a good thing. I think people should be exposed to the viewpoints of people who are close to the president. I wish to hell the media had done this when it was Barack Obama and Jeremiah Wright. I would have paid good money to see a primetime interview with Jeremiah Wright in the middle of the 2008 campaign and beyond. But that never happened because people were trying to cover for the president. I don't like people who cover for the president. I don't like that. And it doesn't matter to me who the president is. So uh, good for Megyn Kelly. The, the stupidest thing about all of this is that the Sandy Hook, there's some Sandy Hook charity that was supposed to have Megyn Kelly host their event, and now they've canceled her because they said that she shouldn't be giving Jones airtime. I hate that, okay? Uh, first of all, you know, as a parent, I, I can't even fathom the kind of pain these parents have gone through, obviously. But if, God forbid, something like that happened and some idiot were out there saying routinely that I had staged my own child's death, I would want that person exposed and humiliated on a nightly basis on national TV. So I just, I don't understand the hubbub other than I think there's a lot of animus on both sides of the aisle at Megyn Kelly, especially. So I think that's, that's really quite ridiculous. Okay, uh, let's do a thing that I hate. There's some idiot who was bragging about uh, moving NASA t-shirts from the boys section to the girls section. Uh, and the tweet is, is 
just as insane as you would think it is. It's somebody who's who's talking about how it says, did I, did I just take a bunch of NASA tank tops from the boys section and put them in the girls section? Yes. Yes, I did. And this has, this is Katie Hines, I guess. And it has 116,000 likes, 116,000 likes. I just would like to point something out here. If you actually go to any NASA facility, if you visit any of these facilities, if you visit the Smithsonian, there are girls t-shirts from NASA. Okay. You can get them. And the idea that girls are somehow dissuaded from being involved in math and science because there was not a NASA t-shirt available at whatever particular location this woman was is just stupidity. Plus, you just made a bunch of minimum wage workers have to move the thing back. No one's saying girls can't work for NASA. That's ridiculous. Anyone can work for NASA. But this sort of virtue, say again, it's, it's the left playing this game where they suggest that women are put upon and they have the worst time in American society and everything is just terrible. Nonsense, nonsense nonsense. What an unbelievable waste of time, effort. It's just so silly. So silly. Okay. Now let's deconstruct a little bit of culture. Now, the nice thing about deconstructing the culture is that uh, I could also put it in section in things that I hate. So on Tuesdays, I really get to double down on stuff that I hate. So today's episode of deconstructing the culture, we're going to look at a couple of things. One, we're going to look at the Tony Awards. And two, we're going to look at Katy Perry. So Katy Perry I thought that the, the best comment on this came from Stephen Miller. Katy Perry looks like the, the nice girl from the neighborhood who went to college and came back all screwed up from the first year of college, like shaved her head and now she's a lesbian. And that's Katy Perry doing this interview with, uh, with DeRay McKesson uh, over at uh, – DeRay McKesson is a Black Lives Matter activist. And, uh, and here is Katy Perry doing an interview with DeRay McKesson, basically apologizing for the great crime of being popular and white. I've made several mistakes, even in like the this is how we do video about how I wore my hair and having a hard conversation with one of my empowered angels, Cleo, about what does it mean? Why why can't I wear my hair that way? Or what is the history behind wearing the hair that way? I listened and I heard and I didn't know. And I won't ever understand some of those things because of who I am. I will never understand. But I can educate myself, educate myself, and that's what I'm trying to do along the way. And even in, you know, my intention to like appreciate Japanese culture, I did it wrong with a performance, and I didn't know that I did it wrong until I heard people saying I did it wrong. And sometimes that's what it takes: is it takes someone to say, out of compassion, out of love, hey, do you? This is where the origin is, you know, and okay, do this you is, understand? This, this is, it's unwatchable. I'm sorry. I'm losing brain cells at such a rapid pace that I'll be dead by the end of this clip if we actually pay, play the entire thing. So what did Katy Perry do wrong? Okay, so Katy Perry supposedly wore her hair uh, in, in stereotypical black fashion in this video, This Is How We Do. Um, okay. I guess now she has stereotypically taken the hair off like a neo-Nazi. Uh, so that's, that's exciting. So she's culturally appropriated the hair from neo-Nazis, which is, which is just awesome. Uh, or from the movie The Fifth Element. I, mean, I can't really decide which. Now, I love that she's so sad about, oh my God, it's just terrible. First of all, just the setting of this thing is amazing. It's amazing. This whole, this whole just, you want, Snowflake should be written all over this clip because they're sitting on this white couch, cross-legged, cross-legged. Who sits cross-legged doing an interview? I mean, this is just the most ridiculous, stupid thing. They should be smoking pot and wearing hemp clothing while they do this idiocy. And then... For her to drop the, oh, it's cultural appropriation. I don't know how much I've hurt people. Yes, I'm sure black people all over the United States were hurting deeply because Katy Perry wore her hair a particular way in a music video. 
I was told that black people were really suffering in this country. If that's true, it seems to me that the last of their concerns would be Katy Perry wearing her hair in a particular way. And she says, oh, I did a concert in Japan. Let's be clear about cultural appropriation, okay? When it comes to cultural appropriation, cultural appropriation is a good thing because it means that cool things cross cultural lines. Okay, that white couch is cultural appropriation from Sweden or something. It's from cultural appropriation from Ikea. And the microphone is cultural appropriation from whoever invented the microphone because every invention is an outgrowth of the culture that created it, apparently. All just nonsense, all just stupidity. But this is the virtue signaling that is necessary from the entire Hollywood left and that they feel a necessity to push. It's really, really foolish. Um, and again, it just demonstrates that the culture is more important than politics when it comes to shaping how people think. Katy Perry saying this kind of dumb stuff to Jeremy McKesson. Jeremy McKesson should not be in any legitimate company. Uh, you talk about people who shouldn't be legitimized. Jeremy McKesson is one of them, a guy who did an entire lecture at Yale about how riots are justified and violence is justified. So just ridiculous. Okay. Other things in deconstructing the culture. I am a big fan of Broadway. I love Broadway. I mean, I've written a musical, two musicals actually with my dad. Uh, I really enjoy Broadway musicals. Broadway, unfortunately, has become niche, uh, and that's because they have basically turned it into two things. It is social justice warrior stuff and Disney musicals. Those are the only two things they produce on Broadway anymore. It's either Beauty and the Beast, uh, and they turn a movie into a musical, which they turn back into a movie, or it is some, or it's Rent. It's, it's you know, gay people dying of AIDS, but singing about it. You know, that, that, that's, that's basically what, what it's become now. It's, it's a bunch of, it's a victimology. Every so often they'll do a revival that's really good. They did a revival of Pippin recently that was really good on Broadway. Uh, I have to admit, I did not see any of the shows that were nominated for Best, for best Tony this year, uh, for Best Musical Tony. Uh, they, I guess they did Groundhog Day. So again, kind of Disney. They take a, a movie and then they turn it into a musical. They did that with Legally Blonde. This is the new profit model. And then apparently they did some musical with Josh Groban, which is weird. Uh, and it was a section from War and Peace. So that one... I would be, I guess, mildly interested to see. They also did one that I've heard is very good about uh, teenagers committing suicide, which is, I thought, a show on Netflix. But in any case, what the Tonys really are for, and this is theater in New York, so you know, you, everybody's talking about this play in Central Park where President Trump or a stand-in for President Trump plays Julius Caesar and then gets murdered. But that's the theater scene in New York. Nobody, when they staged this, thought it was going to be a big deal because that's how the theater scene works. And you can tell from the Tony Awards which were nearly entirely dedicated to bashing President Trump. Stephen Colbert was one of the hosts of it, and uh, he came out in the middle of the thing and just said for no reason that Trump might be impeached. The, uh, this DC production is supposed to have a four-year run, but reviews have not been kind. <laughs> Could close early. We don't know. We don't know. Best of luck to everyone involved. Mm -hmm. Okay, again, this is just the, the sort of crowd that pervades in New York. So when you look at, at the Julius Caesar production, you say, wow, how did anybody think that was okay? Or when you look at Kathy Griffin and you say, how, wow, did, what in the world is going through her head when she decided to, when she decided to chop off the head of a Trump doll and then cover it in blood and hold it up like she was some sort of genius? What went through her head is that all her friends would think it was funny and cool. And that's what the Tonys are. And that's what the Oscars are. And Hollywood is deeply insular. And if they don't get over that, it's the only reason that superhero movies are, are, are doing well, because they're the only thing that's mass market anymore. Everything else is, is moonlight. Everything else is whatever is the leftist social issue of the day. They decide to push. The Tonys are no exception. Okay, we'll be back here tomorrow with the updates on Jeff Sessions' testimony, Attorney General Sessions testifying before the Senate Intelligence Committee. We will bring you all the headlines tomorrow. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show.
We'll get to more on this in just one second. First, Pure Talk believes in American values and that free should mean, you know, like free. So when you switch to Pure Talk today, you'll get a free Samsung 5G smartphone. There's no four-line requirement, no activation fee, just a free Samsung that's built to last with a rugged screen, quick charging battery, and top-tier data security. Qualifying plans start at just 35 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, 15 gigs of data, and a mobile hotspot. Pure Talk gives you phenomenal coverage on America's most dependable 5G network. It's the same coverage you know and love, but for half the price of the other guys. The average family saves almost $1,000 a year. So I challenge you to choose a company that actually doesn't hate your guts and shares your values. Let Pure Talk's expert U.S. customer service team help you make the switch today. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to claim your eligibility for your free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone and start saving on wireless today. Again, go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro to switch to my cell phone company. I've been using them for years. They're fantastic. You'll love them as well. Go to puretalk.com slash Shapiro and claim your eligibility on that free brand new Samsung 5G smartphone. Start saving. 